0: I think, I think I'm ready. Finally. I had a pre-show. have been waiting
1: for so long. Oh,
0: geez. I had a pre-show topic for you, and I didn't write it down, and now I can't remember what it was.
1: Well, it says photo tips. Well,
0: no, that wasn't it. That was uh, a different thing. Dang. Should I borrow? This isn't it, but should, should I borrow uh, an on-camera flash from my dad?
1: <laughs> I can't imagine why not. Sounds like a great idea. Well,
0: like later this week, I have that event that I'm shooting photos for Mm -hmm. and video and like I've done this before but it feels like the stakes are just a little higher this time and I don't know if I've necessarily done this style thing before where I could actually envision myself like walking around with a flash on my camera and it'd be totally
1: appropriate Mm, yeah there aren't that many there aren't that many cases where you can actually do that
0: usually I want to be a little more incognito yeah but something you know where it's reception-esque mm-hmm. in, in style, it's more accepted for you to have a flash, especially yeah. in a dimly lit interior environment. Yeah, I got you. I have I have never, I've never shot with a flash. Really? I mean, like I've shot with a flash as far as like set them up and like try to use it. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Could not figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that flash sync is a thing. Yeah. I just like, do you point it at the people and you point it up? It Man. feels like a whole different skill. That I am, I am not equipped for. I don't know
1: if this is the kind of thing you do live.
0: I mean, well, that's why I'm. But also, like, when am I ever going to try it? That's a good point. And so I've, on the way over, I was debating whether or not I should reach out to my dad Mm. and be like, "Can I borrow your on-camera flash?" (laughs) Immediately.
1: That's a good question. (laughs) I need you to meet me. (laughs) So hold on for just a moment.
0: What you got there? Is that an on-camera flash?
1: Daniel, did you just hand me an on-camera flash? <laughs> I did. I think it functions, too. Oh, my. <laughs> it says my icon on it. It does. It says speed
0: light. Mm-hmm. Heck,
1: yeah. yeah. You're welcome to take that if you want. Oh, I'm borrowing this for <laughs> sure. You might need to buy some AA batteries on the way home. Uh, I'm going to practice with this
0: <laughs> and see if I can figure it out. And then maybe... Maybe I should get like one of those rubber things to put on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Fun fact, that was free because what? I I owned it and then I left the batteries in it and the batteries exploded in it and it didn't function anymore. And so funny fact, fun fact that you may not know is that you can contact Duracell, you know, if they're Duracell batteries or Energizer, like any of the name brands, and you can say, hey, this thing broke and the batteries exploded because the batteries are bad and they'll just reimburse you that's incredible and so and so they reimbursed me for like the current market value of the flash at that time what and then i was able to clean it and i think it functions again so so maybe it works yes i'm pretty <laughs> sure it does work okay well I'm, I'm gonna i'll let you know if it doesn't all
0: right and then i'm not gonna blame you when everything's underexposed yeah yeah okay so this thing you you have shot this style and i said mm-hmm. it was different but well, you've shot something similar ish recently. Yeah. And like I know what I'm doing, Daniel. Stop it. But for the sake of maybe our listeners, even though this is pre show and no one's listening, you got any tips for me? You're coming into this, you got two cameras, you shooting shooting photo video. What uh you got any strategies that well, you learned from your most recent endeavor that you want to impart upon me?
1: I mean, I think the two camera thing is definitely key. That's, uh, that really helped when I did it last time, just not having to switch lenses, having a wide shot and a tight shot readily available. That was super helpful. I think what I've learned through some of those is that anytime you go to an event, you've got all these different types of shots you can get. So I don't just mean like wider type, but like usually there's different areas where different things are happening. Um, you know, maybe there's like a big room where there's some stuff happening. Maybe there's like smaller, like breakout areas or whatever, and, a lot of times, like when I first started shooting events, I would think I need to capture all these things. And I would end up walking around the whole time, going to all these different places. Like, let me start in this spot and then I'll go to this other spot and shoot some things there. And I'll come back to the first spot and like, see, like I'm walking around the whole time. And I think you can do better if you just like stay in one place and get some really good shots there. And then like slowly move around to the other spots and not be like constantly under feet, constantly running around and like, in the end, I think you can get a lot, like you can get the same quality of footage, but you can kind of stay in like the same mental space for the types of shots you're trying to get. Um, and you're also not missing things because you're moving from place to place and like missing the key moments.
0: I feel like I should look at the schedule of events mm-hmm. and then make sure that I'm in key locations at the appropriate time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When when there's things like that, I, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Did you actively review your photos as you were taking them to make sure that you weren't missing anything for some crazy reason that was then showing up in all your photos, like bad white balance or your shutter speed was a 50th too low. And so you were getting too much blurred from motion.
1: I, when I did it, I did have a couple of opportunities to do that because I was shooting kind of like multiple versions of the same event back to back. Right. And so that gave me a chance between them to take a look and, you know, kind of make sure I was getting what I wanted. I do think there's value in doing that. Um, but like for something like this, where it's not a bunch of things back to back, you know, you don't want to spend the whole time looking at the back of your camera screen. So
0: I think you said be careful with that. Did you create for yourself a shot list ahead of time?
1: I did. Yeah. So I, I had been given one of some specific things to capture and then, I mean, I didn't like write it down, but I kind of had in my head, I know I need these types of things and I was sort of mentally trying to check them off as I got them. So I think all that's valuable.
0: All right. Any other, any other tips besides use a 75 millimeter 1.2
1: lens? I mean, that's a pretty good tip. You should, <laughs> you should probably use a 75 1.2 lens. And I'm probably going to be using the, the 56 and the 50 to 140 yeah, quite a bit. Yep, I bet. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the the shot that ends up being good is not always the one you expect. I got some shots that I was really happy with that weren't really planned and just kind of spur of the moment uh, opportunistic shots. I think that's pretty common. But I, I, always end up with these things feeling like I have a lot of certain things and not enough of others, and so I think it, you know, if you've taken fifteen shots of the same thing, like you probably got a good one or at least an acceptable one, and, you know, I think you have to like not get fixated on specific spots in the shot list, but I, that's something I struggle with. Maybe that's not a problem for you. Oh, who knows? I guess we'll see.
0: I always just do laps.
1: Yeah, just run around mm-hmm. full speed.
0: Like here's my circuit. I'm gonna hit these spots over mm-hmm. and over and over. Yeah. I think I'm gonna try to not do that this time. I think it's gonna be plan. a little more uh, tactical.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can over because you've got to after this event, you've got to go and edit those photos and deliver them. Yep. And I mean, you know, you only have to deliver a few day of. I think so. You know, you've got time, but you know, the more you have to go through, the longer that's gonna take you, and mm-hmm. you know, ultimately that costs you money if you're doing this as a business, and so. You know, not overshooting, I think, is key, too.
0: So I should definitely leave it on CL low, not high, for my burst photos. Mm, yeah. And uh, just, you know, hold that shutter down. <laughs> but because it's set on, like, 5 frames per second, not 20 frames uh, per second, yeah. there's yeah, less photos to Yeah, that's literally a
1: quarter of the photos.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great advice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious to see how this goes for you. Maybe you can report back next week. It's going to go. It's going to swimmingly. Oh, I thought you were just going to stop there. You're just going to stop
0: there. It's going to go. Well, we'll see.
1: Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video.
0: What? Nothing. Nothing. No. Nothing. You didn't say anything? No. Oh. No. Well, guess I'll throw to myself then. All right. Hey, Lucas. How about those Hasselblads? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything.
1: <laughs> I can't, I can't comment on that. Yeah. But what I'm assuming this is about, and I'm probably wrong because with you, it's probably some old film camera or some nonsense like that. But there was a, uh, there's a smartphone that just got announced that has a, uh, like a one inch uh, Hasselblad sensor.
0: Oh, tell me about that. Uh,
1: I don't know anything about it. I thought maybe you did. Do but- you know? You
0: don't even know like what kind of surprise. I think it's an
1: Oppo. Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah, think the ones who that have the Hasselblad like Oppo thing. would do.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's definitely not what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know why I wanted this to be a secret. I think feel I felt like there was maybe some like surprise in what I was going to tell you to like really knock you knock you off your feet. Uh, it's not that exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're gonna you're gonna figure out the whatever the catch or the twist before we even get there. But regardless, I'm going to go ahead and open up my super secret show notes that you have no access to. And I want to talk to you about uh, the Hasselblad 500 series V-mount cameras. which
1: V-mount cameras? V-mount,
0: yeah. Not Daniel. It's not the good kind of V-mount. It's the best kind of (laughs) (laughs) V-mount. Are you familiar with the whole like... You're not familiar with it. I don't even know why I'm asking. I'm just going to explain it to you. Okay. Okay, so like Hasselblad... Has their V system, and then they have their X system, and the yeah, X, I know and nothing about the X this. has nothing to do with
1: Fujifilm. That I'm, I'm actually more confused now.
0: But <laughs> basically, like their modern E stuff, like if you think about a house. Wait, now a, we're talking about E. <laughs> no, Daniel. If you think about like like what a Hasselblad camera might look like where it's like a box and you're like, you're looking down into the box. Okay. Yeah. Mm. You've you've, you've seen that whole situation. Yeah. That's like the V system and it has V mount lenses. Okay. And it's like a whole system. And so it has, you have like the box and the box has like, you can put a viewfinder like to look through with your eyeballs. Well, you look through all of them with your eyeballs, Mm. but specifically there's like a waist level and an eye level and one is like a traditional viewfinder and one is like a little mirror box where you look down into it. And obviously, the Waste Viewfinder ones are way more better for Instagram because you can, like, hold your phone over it and impress people with Ooh, how awesome your camera is. Good point. And so, like, they have that. And then they had the lenses that went on the front. And then they had the backs that went on the back. And you could swap out different backs depending upon, like, what kind of film if you were going to shoot, like, six, I think, like, six, seven or six, four, five or whatever. And so, they had different, like, film back options. And so, if you're going to get into Hasselblad, like, old school Hasselblad, you got to look for like all the different pieces. You got to get the body. You got to get the back. You got to get the lens. And like different ones have different things. You can kind of mix and match and whatever. So that's that's the V-mount system. And then the X-mount system is more like here's a mirrorless-ish style camera, kind of like a GFX 100. And then it has these X-mount lenses. Now, what I learned recently, and I don't know, I, I knew this, but I didn't like think about it until like it really dawned on me. Imagine imagine a world where I got into like medium format film.
1: Not hard to imagine.
0: And I got like my Hasselblad 500, mm-hmm. 500C or whatever. It's like a like a 1965 Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. And I bought like a lens and I'm like $600 in. And I have a cute little 120 medium format Hasselblad system. Well, if I wanted to bring that with me and like shoot film, cool. But then what if I want to also shoot digital? I got to have to bring another camera Well, Daniel. (laughs) Unless. Hasselblad has digital backs for their V-mount series cameras.
1: I think I've heard the phrase Hasselblad digital back, and I had no idea what that meant. Like, that doesn't even make any sense to me. So maybe this makes a little more sense. Well,
0: now you know you can take your 1957 Hasselblad, take the film back off of it, slap the digital back onto it, boom, you're shooting digital. But how how good are these things? Is this a good sensor? Uh, the, The current one is like... 50 megapixels, but Daniel, there is a rumor that tomorrow, which is maybe revealing too much about whenever we record these podcasts, Hasselblad may announce a new 907X digital back, which would be a 100 megapixel medium format sensor.
1: That's uh, that's quite a bit.
0: This is the same sensor that is in the X-Mount X2D, which is their most current medium
1: format camera. Well, I'm getting the idea. This might not be cheap obviously not. <laughs> what do you How much are the current fifty megapixel? Okay, in? so the current
0: digital back, which is the nine oh which is the fifty C digital back, mm-hmm. is sixty four hundred smackaroonies. Oh man. And that's brand that's brand new. And that thing's been out for since like twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like they're not they're not old. We're not talking like two thousand and five. These things are, are modern because Hasselblad knows and cares about about film photography. Apparently. And so you can buy you can buy a fifty C now. You can't, I couldn't figure out how to buy it separately. Like if you want to buy a digital back, you have to buy the Hasselblad 907X, which is the body, and the 50C, which is the digital back. And I can't figure out how to buy them separately. So you're buying like the whole camera system sans the lens as you traditionally would. So if you have like a 500 series, like V-mount Hasselblad, and you only want the digital back, I have no idea how to buy that.
1: It seems like that'd be a nice thing because you could start with the film thing if you want to play around film. But then eventually, if you wanted to upgrade, you could get that digital back and then, you you know, have a more useful camera.
0: Or you could buy a 907X and a 50C and then buy a film back and have a brand new camera that you can then put a 120 film in. Ah. Yeah. There you go. Options, Daniel. Options. It's a modular system. Now... This 100-megapixel sensor is like really similar to what might be in like the GFX series camera. It's a Sony sensor. It's their big old medium format thing. What's interesting, and I'm sure you've already thought about this, is that that 100-megapixel sensor, while super awesome with like a base ISO of 64 and like 16-bit color, is only 44 by 33.
1: So it's smaller. That's millimeters. Yeah, but it's much smaller than like the 6 by 4 or whatever. Yeah,
0: if you're shooting 6, 4, 5. I mean, that's it's like 6 centimeters, of so 60 mm-hmm. by 45, and this is 44 by 33. So it's
1: basically like you get a crop on your lens.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's half the size.
1: Unacceptable. It's rid-
0: it's ridiculous. So, obviously, like, you you can't really exchange field of views and, like, maybe the lenses that you're bringing for your film situation aren't the lenses that you want for your digital back situation. Sure. But if you get into Hasselblad, which obviously why haven't we yet <laughs> – you can just bring one camera with you. Yeah. And you just swap out the next.
1: And, and it has that waist, you know, you hold it at the waist kind of thing and I, that's how you like to use your camera it's anyway.
0: Serious street cred for yeah. that. Yeah. So, this is I mean this this is huge. Right, it's it's basically like we talk about you know, why box cameras are so good for video because you can kind of like configure it the way you want and you can get down to like exactly the right camera rig. This is not for photo, and we haven't been talking about it this whole time. This is like episode seventy of this podcast, and how far <laughs> deep have we got into Hasselblad, maybe like ankle deep.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know why, Lucas? Because we can't afford it. <laughs> it's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you could maybe afford the film version, but I don't think you can afford the digital version. Yeah, you can buy
0: a like an old 500C for. Like 500 bucks. Yeah.
1: And like, you would get some amount of street cred for having a Hasselblad camera. Yeah. Like, you can, like you can get they, into they Hasselblad. They use those in space, Lucas. Wait, what, really? Hasselblad? Yeah. Nice. I think they might have taken those to the moon. I believe it. What
0: yeah. about the cosmic rays, Daniel? Nah,
1: you know, what about them? <laughs> Who even cares?
0: <laughs> anyway. Like you you could probably get an Hasselblad
1: film for less than $1,000. Yeah. That's achievable.
0: Yeah. And then you're just... Six thousand five hundred dollars away from digital. Yeah, just sixty five hundred dollars. Now, this this maybe isn't like as great as it sounds, and so I maybe wanted to cover a few possible issues with this approach before, you know, either of us run out and buy uh, a new digital. Yeah, back well, I'm going to need house.
1: you to let's move this along because I mean I'm on the purchase page right now. I need to know <laughs> whether to I need to know whether I'm going to have to cancel an order. So let okay. me know here.
0: So part of the problem here is if when you're shooting on mega old lenses like they're not as sharp as modern lenses Sure, and digital is just so exact like if you're shooting on film and you kind of like wiggle the camera a little bit and you don't hold it perfectly steady it's a lot more forgiving because of like how it exposes it just gives you more character sure yeah more character all that stuff the digital is is way less forgiving Mm -hmm. for like hand motion and the leaf shutter going and, and all this sort of thing and like medium format is such high resolution that you kind of like every little every little movement matters. Sure, it's not autofocus, and so you have to make sure that your waist level viewfinder has the right kind of focus prism in it. Like you don't want to do like just etched glass. You might need like a split view type thing. Or I was like,
1: who knows? You're probably not going to get it in focus. Yeah, it'd be like that. Uh, what what is that brand? The 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 the, uh, the camera you have. Fujifilm? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one that doesn't take pictures in focus.
0: Oh, my uh, Highmatic AF2.
1: Yes, yes. It would be like that. It would be,
0: yeah. Well, no, actually, no, this is maybe a plus. Maybe to put, put this <laughs> no. in the plus column. It doesn't take <laughs> the pictures in focus. No, but, like, that's the whole problem is, like, the digital is so exact and sharp that getting something that's, like, in focus and doesn't have motion blur and, like, getting that critical focus all correct and blah, blah, blah is probably way harder and then also, as aforementioned, big old crop factor.
1: Yeah. You know, I was kind of wondering if the crop factor might be a and that you'd be using the center of the lens. And so, you know, usually the middle part of the lens is a little bit optically better. Maybe. But, I mean, I- in general, it's a downside. You know, you pick a focal length you like, and then suddenly with the crop factor, it's a different, totally different focal length.
0: I'm just, I'm super excited that Hasselblad is potentially coming out with a new digital back that's 100 megapixels. And I'm really into the idea of having a camera that can shoot both film and digital. Mm,
1: yeah, that's pretty unusual. I don't know if there's any other cameras that really do that.
0: I can't think of one. Yeah. I'm sure there is, but I just can't think of it. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my topic.
1: You think you'd ever get one of these film ones? I am
0: interested in shooting 120 medium format. I mean, that's the whole reason we're here today.
1: Yeah, that, that is how we got here. That so. is exactly how
0: we got here. So I'm still, you know... Dabbling in 35 millimeter, I feel like I haven't quite figured that out enough to justify the cost of shooting 120, mm-hmm. but I think that if uh, if things keep progressing, um Mamiya 645 or an RB67 or maybe even a 500C might be in my future. Yeah, Well,
1: we'll just have to wait and see. I guess I'm guess i sure you'll be taking the listeners along for the ride on that one.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yes, unfortunately lot, for lot, us all. A lot more secret show notes. <laughs> I have to put them over there so you don't take them off the show notes before mm-hmm. we start.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's been known to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what's next? What? Oh, geez, Daniel, you don't even know? I don't know. I All mean, right. you, there's no telling what else you have in okay. those secret show notes.
0: Well, there's nothing else on the secret show notes. Oh. But, okay. Okay. Now, if I was going to tell you about a new zoom lens, I said, Daniel, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about a manufacturer that makes, this is making a, a crazy zoom lens. No one else makes it. It's a one of a kind. Who would you think I was talking about?
1: Nikon, obviously, yeah,
0: not talking about Nikon today, Daniel, except disparagingly,
1: as <laughs> as always. Uh, all of our <laughs> listeners that really love Nikon, which we know there are a lot, made us need to stop listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'll only say nice things about Nikon. okay canon release
1: this is like this is old news this was like last fall
0: <laughs> but like they're starting to get in people's hands canon has this new this 200 to 800 millimeter full frame that's zoom. a pretty
1: wide range
0: it's a pretty wide range but it's also the i think the longest full frame lens you can buy modern interesting like that we've talked about 1200 millimeter and hmm. 900 millimeter, millimeter and that sort or of thing you can put
1: a teleconverter on a lot of lenses Yes, you can put a teleconverter on a lot
0: of lenses, and there have been plenty of lenses that are longer. But if we're talking like Z, E, L, RF, full-frame mounts, mm-hmm. modern, you can buy today, brand new, 800 millimeters, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything longer yeah, than that. Yeah, that's pretty long. If, you in, if you're in the Sony ecosystem or L-mount or Nikon and you want their longest yeah. zoom, you're going to be in a 100 to 500 or a 150 to 600, somewhere around there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the case that with modern stuff, if you need longer ranges than that, really, you need APS-C or Micro Four Thirds.
0: Yeah, because it's like you're starting to sacrifice on weight and that sort of thing. That's why the the G Nine Mark II from Panasonic was such a cool deal. Mm-hmm. Is because it's like high resolution, and you get a two X, and your lenses are way smaller. Yeah, yeah, you can you can buy a lens that hits 900 millimeters with that thing and shoot it handheld, with no mm-hmm. problem, because of the great stabilization.
1: Yep. What about this thing? Can You shoot this one handheld? Yeah, you could shoot it handheld.
0: I mean, no one's going to no one's going to tell you you can't. Mm-hmm. It's got a l- lens stabilization. You, know, can you if you got a body with with Ibis in it, you know it'll work together with the Ibis, yep. and you can shoot stable enough at 800 millimeters. Now it is f nine to f six
1: point three. Why 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 are you saying it in that order? I don't know because I wrote that, it in that order. Does that mean like does that mean it's f nine at 200 and f six point three at at uh, 800? <laughs> uh, That'd be weird. I'm no, gonna, no, 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 no. I'm going that's not how that works. It's
0: 6.3 at 200. Okay. And it's F9 at 8. It actually doesn't get to F9 until you get to like a little past 600. Oh, okay. That's uh, like 7.1 before that. I but, mean, that's
1: not that uncommon for really long lenses. You know, like it's
0: fine and it's full frame, but like if you're not shooting in full sunlight, you're, st- you're going to be like, if you're shooting at one over 250 or one over 500, just to like stop motion and you're at f9 without a teleconverter, you're gonna be shooting at ISO like it's probably 1000 to 1600.
1: Mm, good point. So, and so, like, unless you're in like really bright sunlight,
0: yeah, unless you're in really bright sunlight. So, yeah. it, you know, it is kind of cutting you back a little bit, and mm-hmm. you're not gonna quite get the same background blur, but everything's still gonna be really compressed at 800 millimeters, regardless. For sure, yep. It is compatible with the RF 2x teleconverter. Oh man! Yes, yeah, so you can slap that puppy on there. Get 1600 millimeters at f18. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you better have a lot of sunlight for that. Yeah, no kidding. So it's, it's
0: um, I mean, like it's kind of cool. And this is like in the theme of the what we keep seeing from Canon, where they're like, oh, here's a here's a an ultra wide full frame lens that's like 10 to 20, mm-hmm. and no one else has it.
1: It feels like Canon right now is doing the side quests. Like they built out their main lineup and now they're like, let's just go check out this corner over here and then let's go make this other lens over there. And they're not really, they're not really like pushing forward the main thrust of their camera lines. There's nothing major coming out. You know, we haven't seen a new big camera from them lately or anything like that, but they're kind of just filling in all the little edges of their lineup. So that's, an interesting spot for them to be in.
0: Tamron has that 35 to 150 f2 to f2.8, which is a kind of unique lens. And that's maybe the closest thing to the RF 28 to 70 f2. But as far as fast lenses, there isn't like another f2 28 to 70 that like Sigma or Sony or Nikon are making. And it seems like things like that, like this ultra wide and now this zoom, it's like, Canon is trying to justify their arm out by making lenses that no one else is making. And they're like, well, you have to come to Canon if you want this lens. Yeah.
1: That's you an know. interesting strategy. I,
0: find, I I, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if it's working.
1: Yeah. I don't either. I still
0: think that, uh, I think they're never going to open up RF. I think they're going to die on that hill.
1: That's a, I mean, I don't know. We've talked about that a lot on this show. I think it's a bold prediction to say they'll never open it, but you may be right.
0: Okay. Maybe, maybe not like never, never, but I, we we keep thinking, like, oh, they're gonna there's there's rumors or they're talking to Sigma. they're talking to Tamron. I don't think it's gonna happen, yeah, maybe not. I't know, but this one's pretty cool. it is, yeah. I've wrote it down so you could probably look and see, but I wanted you to guess how much it's going to cost.
1: <laughs> I mean, all of these Canon lenses are expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually surprised this one's as cheap as it is. Yeah, well, for, for
0: context, if you bought the 100-500 to 500 L series lens, it costs $2,900. Well,
1: I was going to say, I think I would guess that this lens would cost about $3,000. Right. And it's not. It's 1900 bucks. They're, they're trying to trying to get the bargain shoppers now
0: well it's not an it's not an L-mount lens ah, and some people just like need the reach mm-hmm. and so they're they're trying to meet people uh, meet people where they are if you need a long full frame lens
1: well they're trying to meet people you know 800 millimeters sure yeah. But,
0: yeah someone who's across the way quite yeah. a bit yeah. <laughs> but I think this is a really interesting lens from them like it's got it has a decent focal, focal like if you're at 200 two and a half feet close focusing distance great mm-hmm. 800 is like 10 or whatever but like it's the f-stop range isn't crazy the price is good it's the longest zoom you can buy for full frame right now and it's like this really interesting option that i honestly i would have expected nikon to release this. i agree
1: yeah i mean nikon has always been the king of this and when like you like we said at the beginning if you think big zoom you know or interesting lens you kind of think nikon but i mean i think it's great you know there's people that probably need this lens and it's not insanely priced for a Canon RF lens and it seems pretty good.
0: Do you think people are going to take this lens over some like 150 to 600 lens that they could put like a 1.4 on?
1: Well, I know I wouldn't. I think I'd be more inclined to do the teleconverter thing because then I feel like you've... I don't know the specs on that on that lens. It looks, I guess it's a 4.5 to 7.1 uh, f-stop. Yeah, so. yeah
0: the, the Canon one, the 100-500 is.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I would rather have that because then if i don't need the extra reach i've you know at least i've got a little bit of a better f-stop and there are some situations where you can have too much reach you know if your minimum uh zoom is 200 then that, that's a little limiting so i'd be more inclined to go that way but you're going to get better optical quality with a you know without having that teleconverter
0: sure i mean you can get into like a like a sigma 150 to 600 for less than a thousand dollars yeah that's pretty and, i mean that's like f5 to f6.3 and so whenever you put if you put like a 1.4 on there you're kind of in the same ballpark as this like very close it's almost like that's what canon did mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, packaged it together and so like me there is there's like equivalent enough i guess i'm looking at an ef lens but there's equivalent enough if you're like in the other ecosystems and you want to put the tele on there but like when it comes to reach i mean you can't you're not going to beat this thing right yeah if you, if you put the 2x on there you're you're way out there yeah. Unless, unless you're, you're shooting micro four thirds, I guess, and like you show up with your G9 Mark II and you're like, what? I'm at like 2,000 millimeters and like my lens is not the size of my forearm.
1: Yeah, but all those full frame bros aren't going to take you seriously because you're not shooting full frame.
0: Like, sure, but you can get so much farther. <laughs> <laughs> and you can like put the camera in your pocket.
1: I don't know about that. Not with a lens that could go out that far
0: if I was if I was in the RF world, I would be I think I would be interested in this. I don't shoot a lot of like super telephoto stuff, but
1: you like that 50 to 140 quite a bit.
0: Man, I love my 50 to 140 and I've shot it with the 2x, which is uh whatever, 100 to 280. And uh 280 is kind of fun.
1: On APSC.
0: Yeah, on APSC c so like, you know, rough 1.5 on top of that is 3 3- no, 420. Yeah. So I've shot stuff at like the equivalent of 400 millimeters. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's fun. And you could imagine being twice as close. I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> think about that for a minute. That would be crazy. Just get a second 2X teleconverter and stack it.
0: I need to like go on a safari or go to the zoo. Or <laughs> those, like search, those are
1: very different things, Lucas. Or
0: start sh- start shooting a, a, like...
1: Sports or yeah. something. Shoot some F1 races. You know, Every, like that.
0: That'd be good. We could do that. Will they let me bring my camera in? Mm. Maybe if you tell them you're a
1: camera podcaster, Ooh. you get a press pass. Does that work? <laughs> Might be time to find out.
0: I feel like I could bring a film camera in. They wouldn't say anything.
1: Yeah, that little, that cute little one. You yeah, have under- I wear it around my neck, and yeah. they'll think it's jewelry. Yep, yeah, it's very, much. it's
0: very stylish. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about micro four thirds a little bit here. Yeah. Uh are you familiar with the channel Micro Four Nerds? I'm not, but I like it. That's clever. It's pretty good. <laughs> I like I watched some of their videos a little while back, but I don't really pay too much attention to Micro Four Thirds anymore.
1: Yeah, it kind of feels like it's lost its uh like it's not, you know, it's had its day and that day has passed.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean Micro Four Nerds covers some pretty pretty wide uh, wide span of uh, micro four third cameras. I like would expect old stuff, nothing new less. stuff. Check it out or don't. I don't care. Whatever. They have a video on this next thing that I want to talk about, and I haven't watched it. Oh. I'm coming into this cold. All right. But with hot takes. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I want to talk to you about. Have you heard about the Alice camera?
1: No. Tell oh, me more. Oh my gosh, Daniel. I'm
0: gonna read you this quote that I pulled from some unknown source. Okay. I I probably should actually tell you the source because it's inappropriate for me not to. It wasn't this wallpaper thing. It wasn't this thing either. Was it a wallpaper? It was not a petapixel. It was a. It wasn't this Indiegogo campaign. Was it this Medium blog post? Is this good radio, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, people are loving this. Oh, I
1: knew it. We're just losing listeners left and right. Oh
0: jeez. Okay, well I can't find the sauce of the quote, but someone was interviewing like the the people who make this camera, and they were asking them about the AI because Daniel. <laughs>
1: I mean, what what interview today doesn't ask about the AI? This camera has AI. And so
0: I'm, like, I'm going to start with, I don't know if you've read these notes yet, but I'm going to start with telling you that it uses your smartphone and it has AI. And then I'm going to read you this quote and I want you to tell me what you think this camera does. All right. AI is causing fundamental changes in how content is created, shared and consumed. And the Alice camera is designed to harness it. We have already collected over 5 million images from open data sets to train our AI models. Now we're building our proprietary image database to further train and enhance our novel end-to-end AI pipeline for professional imaging.
1: Man, when I see AI pipeline and professional imaging, those things do not sound like they go together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm reminded of two things. One is how a lot of smartphones especially like i feel like samsung phones 4 or 5 years ago went way too far on trying to make people look like quote unquote more beautiful sure and they were like you know like like smoothing out skin and making the eyes bigger and doing all the stuff and so my first thought is you know what magic things is this camera trying to do to make me look better and like you know is that something i want is it going to make me look thinner? Is it gonna make me look more muscular? I mean, what you know, maybe the world is my oyster. If I had this camera, it could be great. Uh but the other thing it reminds me of is I think there's a camera, you know, some kind of concept or something. It probably doesn't actually exist. But I remember seeing something about a camera where I think it's like you take a picture and then it interprets that pic like you you show that to an ai yeah i've, I've seen that and thing. then and then the ai interprets what the picture is and then it generates like its interpretation of that yeah i
0: think that was like a concept thing yeah. of, of you know you're not actually taking the picture but you're letting ai generate what it thinks you saw yeah yeah so is that what this is no that is not what this is <sighs> i've been trying to nail down what exactly the ai is for this thing mm-hmm. because it seems like it's related to for lack of a better word, like the image pipeline, right? Like the, you have all the pixels, it brings the thing in and then you have to like do stuff with it. Mm-hmm. And so like your smartphone, when you take pictures, it takes a bunch of pictures and it's like, what are the bright parts more than any? Like it has to do all yeah. that image processing yeah, to like we make makes like, it looks good.
1: Like Yeah, they've got to make up for the physics of the small lens and, and every modern smartphone camera does a lot of processing. Right.
0: And so I think like that's kind of what they're getting at here is they want to, they want to say that they're doing all of the things that your smartphone does for like, HDR and fancy processing Mm -hmm. and they're using all this AI whatever to determine the best way to make the info off the sensor look as good as possible, but then like also use the AI for autofocus and tracking and like all those feature features.
1: Well, that all sounds like a lot of buzzwords to me. It
0: sure does. Let me read you this thing here right straight from their website, which is alice.camera if you're curious. Embrace power and efficiency with Alice Camera produce more content in less time, allowing you to focus on storyline and engaging with your audience. Our user-friendly design, AI features and connectivity minimize ending time and post-processing. We reckon you could save up to 10 hours a week by eliminating tedious file transfers and edits. That's $800 back each month into your pocket. Daniel, this camera basically pays you.
1: (laughs) Who's spending 10 hours a week transferring footage?
0: I have no idea, man. <laughs> Someone who's not using CF Express, yeah, yeah, they
1: need a new computer or a new card reader or something, man. Well,
0: this camera has a micro SD card, so you're probably still going to be spending that time.
1: Oh, geez. Not what I wanted to hear.
0: <laughs> well, actually, actually, you're probably never going to use that micro SD card because let me tell you, this camera, it's, it's a micro four third camera. Okay. And so, and for some God awful reason, I was like, what lens mount is that? Why doesn't it tell me what the lens mount is?
1: Oh. <laughs> Like way too long. <laughs> <laughs> you used to own a Micro Four Thirds camera. Know. <laughs> it was really embarrassing.
0: Oh, man. Anyways, so Micro Four Thirds, it's basically, and how basically it is, it's the same sensor that is in in, in the GH5
1: two, S, the GH5 S, the GH5 S. Okay. And I think that lens might or that that sensor may also be the one from the Black Magic Pocket 4K. Does that sound right? That does
0: sound familiar ish. Okay. That is a twelve megapixel quad bear sensor.
1: It's pretty low. Yep. It seems like it'd be okay for video, not great for photo.
0: Now, Daniel, you said it you said it the wrong way. Let me tell you how Alice camera wants you to read it. Okay. It's three hundred times bigger than your iPhone fifteen <laughs> pro max sensor. Three hundred, Daniel. <laughs> It's huge. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's like going from a digital back to 120 film.
1: <laughs> I mean, that is a substantially bigger sensor, but, you know, is it I don't know. I mean, I the iPhone's doing all the processing and the iPhone pictures actually look really good, like uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to the image processing. It's not you're, all about you're the You're forgetting that Arting's gave
0: the GH5S best low light camera mm. like less than less than a year ago.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: It's that dual gain sensor, Daniel. I mean, I don't well, doubt that it would ISO be good so in low gain. light.
1: That seems like about all it would be good at, though. It's just like, you know, if you're taking a photo with this thing, 12 megapixels is not great.
0: I mean, your iPhone shoots 12 megapixels. Well, not your, not your iPhone. Yeah, Sorry, my, Daniel. My shoe's
1: 24. Sorry. What now? <laughs> you know what? I take it all back. Who needs this? <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're, we're, I think we've gone a little too far, though. I mean, tell, tell me what this thing is. I, I know it has a micro four third sensor, but is this like a standalone camera? What, how does this work? This thing's crazy.
0: It's crazy. You're gonna want one so bad, probably. Who knows? I'm not ruling
1: it out. Let's hear about it. You have micro four third lenses, Daniel. I, I do.
0: <laughs> okay. It is a. It is a. It's a camera. Like it's a full on camera. It has its own processor. It has its own battery. It's got a mic jack. It's got its own SD card. And it also has some internal storage and a built in five thousand milliamp hour battery. So like it's a
1: camera. Yeah, that sounds like a full on camera.
0: But it doesn't have any user interface. In order to interface with this camera, you gotta slap your phone on it.
1: Interesting. So mm-hmm. it's like you dock your phone to it? Yeah.
0: Okay. Wirelessly. Daniel. Wirelessly. M- imagine just for a minute. Imagine like this and this doesn't exist, okay? Like you're going to really think deep. Imagine like an action camera. Okay? But the screen part and the camera part, you can take them apart. And then you could like look at the screen thing and then hold the camera up over here and then see what the camera's seeing.
1: I feel like we might need to start a Kickstarter.
0: That's a pretty good idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I guess what you're saying is with the- I'm, with I'm, the, I'm saying with, it's
0: like a micro four third version yeah. of the
1: InstaGo 360. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'd be into that part because there have been a lot of times when I've been filming myself and, you know, the camera's all the way over there. I'm all the way over here. Maybe I'm using a Canon 200 800 lens. You know, who knows? Sure. But regardless, knows? I can't can't really see it all see it that well from all well, the way yeah, over there and sure. i'm not gonna like set up a terror deck to film myself no it'd be exhausting and that'd be pretty cool if you just you know rip the screen off the back of the camera and take it over there with you
0: i like it just that's even more hours this camera's saving you yeah that's money daniel yeah
1: i mean that could be another eight hundred dollars a month At for sure minimum
0: minimum you're up to 1600 you you've almost paid for this camera yeah. <laughs> it's so expensive <laughs> it's not that expensive it's, it's a, limit, uh, I actually can't remember how expensive its Twelve ninety five. Oh,
1: okay. So we, we've That's more than video. paid for it in a yeah, month. Yeah, you've more than
0: paid for it. Okay. Easy peasy. It Pretty basically, cool. like I said, it pays for itself. Yeah. Now, if you, if you were on top of camera stuff, like, it's not like you have a podcast or anything. Yeah. But if you were like, like in the know, when this thing was on Kickstarter last year, you could have you could have pre-ordered this puppy like you could have backed the Indiegogo. It wasn't on Kickstarter, it was on Indiegogo. You could have backed it for like six hundred and fifty dollars. Oh man,
1: and now it's doubled in price. Yeah, dude. Jeez, it's because people want it.
0: They've they've sold out batch one and two. Wow, I'm just saying like people are maybe into this or the batches are really small. Mm. Who knows? It could be both. <laughs> okay, anyways, Micro Four Third three hundred percent bigger than your phone pays you money. Mm. It your phone is the interface. Your phone is the is the viewfinder. The screen. It's where you set the ISO, you change all the things. There's, like, a shutter button on it that you can hit. But basically, like, your phone is the thing. Like, you're, you have, there's an app on your phone, and it uses Wi-Fi communication. Like, that's not, like, Wi-Fi direct, but it's, like, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and whatever proprietary garbage they're using. Okay. To, like, wirelessly. And so, like, you can pull your phone off. You can snap your phone on. They're like, we have an Android app. It supports phones that are as big as, like, a Galaxy S24 Ultra Plus whatever. And as small as like an iPhone mini and you like whatever phone you have, bring your Android, bring your Mm -hmm. iPhone, don't bring your Windows phone.
1: Because if all the processing is on the camera, then it doesn't matter what phone you have. Exactly. And so that's what they're telling saying is like we have this quad core
0: Qualicom processor and we're licensing something similar to the like the Tensor TPU like AI processing mm-hmm. unit that Google has. They're, they're licensing that technology. Okay, and so they have like an AI processor and they have a quad processor on there. Well, to, that at least like,
1: explains the price. I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of stuff going on there. It's
0: it, the camera is doing all the things, and then the, the, you have the software on your phone that's like doing all the interface, and like it's kind of this like really weird, crazy thing, and like it's not huge because it's it's like imagine your phone but like with a camera on it, and mm-hmm. so like it's not enormous, and it's micro four thirds. So, like the lenses aren't huge and you can adapt basically anything to micro four thirds. Yeah. And they're touting like all like the most absurd tracking features of like, here's this video that I'm going to shoot and it's like highlighted this dog or whatever. And it's like tracking the dog. And like, well, yeah, it's, it's got, not just got like the AI. It's not just a box on the thing. It's like highlighted the thing. And it's like, look how cool and best user interface and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how like vaporwarey, Actually, well, this stuff is going to work, but what's being promised is kind of cool. Yeah.
1: It seems kind of neat. I don't know.
0: Like I'm if I was a technology optimist, I would be mega into
1: this. Instead, you're very much a technology pessimist. Well, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, you are in a film. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is kind of cool. I mean, you know, as much as I use my phone to take pictures, there's clear downsides to it compared to a larger sensor. We've talked on this show before, I think, about how we'd like to see, you know, some like a bigger sensor on phones. Like it's always interesting seeing a one-inch sensor phone or whatever. And I mean, for example, if Apple came out with something like this, I would probably buy it. Uh, and and that's kind of that's kind of where my concern is: is that it's not, you know, tightly integrated with the phone manufacturer. And I just I've used so many apps that you know, we're supposed to interface with some other hardware device and it's great when it works, but you know, there's sometimes a little lag or sometimes it won't connect or whatever. And those are things that I don't want in my camera. You know, I don't want to press the shutter button and have there be some weird little lag before it takes the picture. I don't want to be trying to capture a shot and, oh no, like the app won't connect. Let me, you know, cycle my Wi-Fi off and turn it back on and hopefully it'll connect now. Like I don't want any of that. And so, it would have to be rock solid to be worth using. But other than that, I think the idea of having the phone be the interface is pretty cool. I think there's also some stuff here where they transfer the images to the phone automatically. That's right. That's a big plus to using something like this, because a lot of times the reason I use my phone for pictures is because I want to share something really quickly. I don't want to have to, you know, rip out a card reader or, you know, open a, open some weird app to transfer the things from my camera. And like, who knows how long that's going to take. So, you know, having things just instantly appear on my phone is big plus. That's definitely who they're targeting this at
0: is like, you slap your phone on the back of this thing, you shoot your vertical content mm-hmm. and then it syncs to your photo library, Google photos or, um, iCloud or whatever. And then you like on your phone or on your, pardon, I'm just gonna do it on your phone. You like open up, uh, Oh my gosh, what's what's not Lino? What's it called? Lightroom. No, the other one for video. The video
1: editing software. On your phone?
0: Sure, or your iPad.
1: Uh, DaVinci Resolve. Oh my gosh, Daniel.
0: Whatever, you open up your editing software and like you just like, pew, pew, pound it out. or like Maybe do it in Instagram itself. And
1: yep, You met LumaFusion, I think. Thank
0: you. Golly, well, I could not think of LumaFusion for the life of me. I thought of a a, a Linux server operating company instead. (laughs) Jeez, what's wrong with me?
1: Listening to me podcasts. That's clearly,
0: obviously what's happening. Anyway, this is pretty crazy. And there's some other product that we talked about like last year sometime. And you were like, Lucas, this thing uses an, an iPhone for the interface and blah, blah, blah. And then you told me that they just give you an iPhone with it because <laughs> yeah. who wants to use their phone? Like you it's your phone, like someone could call you, like blah, blah, blah. There's uh-huh. so much of that happens on the phone. That if your phone is now your camera, it like it's just a whole another thing. And like now you're having to deal with like stupid notification pops up and like do you you're gonna have to like set up a Siri shortcut to like turn on D and D camera mode whenever you connect this device or something.
1: I mean, kind of, here's what I think What about, was that thing? Yeah, I, I'm wondering too. I think it was like a cinema camera or something. It was something, it was some heavy, like like professional grade equipment. And yeah. It made sense that they were just throwing in the phone. That's
0: so I'll funny. have to look
1: that up. <laughs> um, you know, kind of what I think of is that this is, this is clearly aimed at like a more casual user, somebody who's going to pull a camera out and just, I need to get a quick shot. And I'm not like setting up for a shoot because- when I, when I read this and I see micro four thirds, $1,300, I immediately think of the black magic pocket 4k sure, because that camera is micro four thirds and it's, it, I don't even know if they still make it, but it was 12 or $1,300 most recently when you could buy it and you, know, you can probably even get them cheaper now. And if what you're doing is shooting videos, the pocket the pocket 4k is going to be way better than this thing. Like in every respect, it's going to be more capable. But and also
0: I think it's going to be way harder to use and like that's kind of the yeah, appeal work, here is work like
1: workflow wise it is like for sure. You don't
0: have like your phone is the monitor and you can just like turn it around and like look at your phone to frame yourself. It has all the autofocus and you can like plug a mic into it and it's just yeah. like plug and play. This feels so much like it is driven towards like fast turn content creators like TikTokers and Instagrammers. It does seem like that. But then also like maybe it's for people who just want uh, to take better pictures on their phone yeah. and have like a simple system.
1: So it like feels like you had for, this instead of an X100V.
0: Yeah, it's like a camera enthusiast thing and mm-hmm. a content creator thing at the same time.
1: All that stuff you said, though, about like, you know, making a shortcut to put you in DND and and stuff. Like, if you're using this in the X100V use case, you don't need all that. Like, when you, when you turn on the camera app on your phone, do you put your phone in Do Not Disturb? Like, probably no. not. Yeah, but like, you're just whipping, it, whipping out your
0: phone and taking a picture. What are you doing with this thing? You know I mean? Like you have to like take this out, take your phone out, connect them together, like wait for it to pair. Like I don't know.
1: I don't know either. Okay. I've been – so use case and all that stuff aside. Do you think you can answer a phone call while you have the phone connected to the camera? Who
0: knows? One, Who knows? One can
1: only hope. I don't know. May I, yeah.
0: <laughs> May I hope, hope your like doctor isn't calling or something. Okay. This thing can shoot 4K 30 – up to 4K30. It doesn't tell them, it doesn't say like 10 bit or whatever. It can shoot 1080, 60. The sensor that's in this thing, the dual ISO GH5S sensor can shoot up to 120 frames per second and I think that's in 4K. Like the sensor is capable of reading off at 4K120 and also in 10 bit. Mm. You just have to have the, the... battery and the heat dissipation in the yeah. processor to do
1: it. So they're not doing that for some reason. Right. So I,
0: And I think it's I think it's all three. I think that they're doing all this AI stuff. And so like that's what their processor things are focused on. They probably, like the camera's so small, they probably don't have the heat. And so like they're not realizing the whole potential of this sensor. And I do wonder like maybe long term they unlock more capabilities like in a version 2 or down the line. Sure. Who knows? Maybe someone can jailbreak the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so like that the video specs are interesting. Like yeah. they can it can do the thing, but it's not really clear. And I think that I think you're not like shooting in log or anything on this.
1: Well, that doesn't really fit the fast turnaround
0: No, I uh, mean you're supposed to approach. rely on the AI. Like yeah. it, it can shoot like HDR pictures and that sort of stuff. Oh, I'm
1: willing to rely on the AI. Sounds and great. That's what it's for. Yeah.
0: Like but but also like what I was what I was planning on like focusing on for like the chunk of this conversation, which probably well past at this point. Uh, was what the heck is the AI for? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, they're pushing it so hard. And I feel like I've answered my question that it's like for the image pipeline. Yeah.
1: But I mean, it, I, you know, I, I kind of think maybe it's trying to do what the ZVE1 does where, you know, the AI figures out what you want to focus on in the frame. And maybe it can, you know, like do a crop in thing if you're moving around the frame. And I mean, all this stuff kind of makes sense to me for like a solo creator content creation type thing. And it's a reasonable use of AI. Sony's already proved it out. And maybe they're doing something like that.
0: I wonder if it'll get to the point where you can like feed the app pictures or something, or you can like go and say, I want my photos to look like this. And then it will just do that out the camera.
1: That would be pretty cool. I, I could see it. I mean, when you use something like ChatGPT, like the stuff that I've done with AI, it works really well with examples. If you tell right. it what you're looking for, it does really well. And so I, I think that's a pretty cool use case. So like, I'm
0: not saying that it does do it. Like who know who knows? Yeah. But if they're selling AI so hard, like you can go to chat GPT and say, you know, make me this film simulation and it'll tell you what settings to put into your Fuji camera, like make that film simulation. Mm-hmm. And so if like, you could do that with this and say, like, I want my images to look like this style and then it can do its thing. That'd be
1: pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Yep.
0: So and now I'm like imposing wishes. upon want a product that I'm probably never going to buy.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I respect them for doing something unique. And, you know, there's, like I said, this is something we've kind of talked about off and on of, you know, what if there was, what if there was a better camera for your phone? And I think that, you know, as much as I have concerns about this, like modular type approach and like the con- the connection between them, like, I like the idea of, you know, maybe my phone could have a better camera, but not all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's more more weight, more cost, all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I know. I think this is really cool. A few things that I skipped over was it doesn't have any sort of like IBIS in it. It just it's electronic stabilization. They'll crop in and give you some IES and using their their AI, whatever. Does it have a shutter button? Yeah, it's got a shutter button, it's yeah. got a USB-C port, it's got a mic input, and it's got a micro SD card. Okay. I think it's like this is super clever and super cool. And I hope it's not just vaporware. Apparently they've shipped some like Micro Four Nerds had their hands on it and I don't know if that was a final version. This thing was originally supposed to come out in October 2023 and I think that's where the first batch one and two came. Right now, it's planning on shipping March 2024. I mean, that's not
1: pushing it back that far.
0: What I also found an article that said it was going to be released this summer, but that article was last January.
1: Ooh, okay. So like,
0: it's it's been pushing. It's yeah. been pushing like a
1: year. But I mean, March twenty twenty four is not that far away. It's so if that's kind of what they're saying now, then you know you would think they're probably not a year away if they're saying next two months. And it
0: says they're on like batch three, so there's got to yeah. be some
1: of these in the world. Okay.
0: And uh, yeah, I don't know. I want I want to see some stuff off of this camera. I want to see like some of the things they can do because this is very creative and interesting yeah. and different. And I like it whenever uh, camera companies are doing something different, especially for companies that aren't like are new to the camera world.
1: I agree. And I think that TikTok and Instagram and social media is such a big uh, industry now. And there are so many people that that's what they need a camera for. I, I do think there's a place for something like this where it's better than your phone, but it still really optimizes that workflow where you're not having to pull a card reader out and all that. And uh, I don't know if this is it, but I think that something will crack that code and you know be the next big thing. Um, and it, it's I think it's cool. I like it. Do you think that
0: because with with the the Alice camera coming out, that Fujifilm is going to have a run for their money with the mm. with the X one hundred V one or the X 100 and X one hundred V
1: I? I really don't think X, so. X one hundred six. I did kind of wonder that, but I really don't think so. I think it's a different market. I think that the people that want an X one hundred V style camera.
0: X100, Roman numeral six. Yes.
1: part. I think part of the appeal for those people is like this disconnect type thing. Like I'm not, you know, I'm stepping away from my phone. I'm living in the moment. It's just me and my film simulations. And, you know, one problem with this thing is that you're still tied to your phone. And for some people, that's a feature. For some people, it's not. So I think that's a distinct market.
0: Yeah, to- totally different, I guess. I mean, if you have that new X app, not that one, Daniel... You can, like, the X100V will just automatically copy pictures to your phone. Yeah. Same thing. Good point.
1: Yep, just got to have your phone
0: in your pocket. Yep. Connected all the time with Bluetooth.
1: Yep. Keep sending sending your location to Xapp?
0: Mm-hmm. Not that
1: Xapp. Oh. The other dang. way. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out, too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at CameraGearPod. We'll be back with more next week.